Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Mindset Playbook is excited to announce your opportunity to become a part of the success of Mindset Playbook podcast, as well as making the listening experience even better. Please go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and at the top of the page it says, Find a Creator, and type in Mindset Playbook Podcast. Choose how you'd like to begin, and you'll instantly become a part of the family. Larry looks forward to your participation in making all of our lives even better. Well, I want to welcome you to Mindset Playbook. Of all of the choices you have, you've chosen to tune in to us today, and, and uh, we will make sure you have a great return on your investment of time. We're going to discover the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that create our guests' mindset and the plays they use to overcome life's challenges so they may live the life they envision. My guest today, Blue Melnick, assists thousands in doing just that. He runs Sage Event Management with his wife, Barry Bumgardner. And check this out, specializing in helping speakers, authors, and this includes everyone right here, and influencers leverage both the live and virtual event platform. Now, this is what I think you'll find worth listening to. So they can launch a seven-figure coaching business in three days or less. Now, over the last 18 months, Sage has been transitioning clients from in-person live events to virtual live events with absolutely incredible results. As the resident tech genius and head of creative for the Sage team, Blue is passionate about helping people leverage virtual platforms to pivot their business model during this unusual time. Welcome to the show, Blue. Well, thanks for having me, Larry. I'm really, really excited to be here and uh, to spend a little bit of time with you and, and your listeners. Well, thank you. Thank you. Blue, you know, many of our listeners, and I know I would, would love to take their ideas and insights to virtual events and, of course, launch a seven-figure coaching business in three days or less. But for many, it falls into the category of, quote, too good to be true. So could you please share with us how one overcomes this stifling belief and get started to begin with? Wow, that's a great question. Um, and uh, you you really lead <laughs> lead with the tough one. Um, you know, I, I think I would probably say that the way to overcome that belief is to get started. Um, at least that's what it was for me. Um, that may not be true for everybody, but for me, um, we had to get started uh, because unless we started moving, we would never know if we were right or we were wrong. Um, and, you know, not making a decision to move forward um, is is kind of an interesting form of self-abuse because now you're always going to question, uh, mm -hmm. did it happen? Was it possible? Was it not possible? So while I think it may be a little cliche to say, um, if you don't start moving, you'll never know for sure. All right. All right. And, and 
what is, you know, I was thinking about my own business and after the pandemic, when there were no people that wanted to bring anybody in to their organization, um, I started the podcast side of things and, and started reaching out and then messed around with LinkedIn a little bit. And I know there's a lot of mediums to develop credibility and to be out there in front of people so that when you are ready to launch something and start creating some uh, income for yourself, there's this always this dilemma of, of what do I have to offer and how do I know it'll sell? And how do I know anybody will be of interest? I know that people were passionate when I was doing it live, but doing a virtual event from the get-go is a mindset that a lot of people think, well, it's, it's so different. And any experiences they've had with Zoom, they know sometimes it can be flat. Um, you don't get to read the audience. You know, all of these other excuses that come up to keep people from moving forward with it. Now, what have your experiences been when when dealing with that and some of the um, outcomes that you've seen with some of your clients? Sure. So first off, I think that it's not uncommon for people to think that a virtual event has the potential to be flat, especially from the presenter standpoint, because most of them when they think about a live event, are used to webinars, they're used to live streams, they're essentially used to one-way broadcasts where the only response back from the audience is chat, right? And that's, mm. you know, mm. that can be hit or miss, um, especially with keyboard warriors. Um, but if you have a relatively large event, chat is almost unusable because it just moves so quickly. So it's an interesting dilemma. And I'll tell you, it's a, it's something that we had to think about really, really hard uh, when we did our first virtual events, because we haven't been doing this forever. Our business has, has been in business uh, since 2004. And for the first 16 years of business, we were predominantly an in-person live event business. And when March of 2020 hit, and essentially the country was shut down, we had much like so many people in in the hospitality and entertainment space um, and event space, we had no business left, right? Because there was there was no capability to get in person, right? First, it you know it depends on where you were, but prior to the national lockdown, there or you know two weeks to stamp the curve, uh, you started with cities saying, okay, well we're going to limit our in-person gatherings to 50, or now we're going to limit them to 20, or now we're limiting them to five, or well, now you can only get gather with family members, right? So even before the national lockdown in certain cities and, and states, there were issues, you know, coming across. And we were starting to think what's going to happen in the cities and states that we host live events. And then, you know, March, I believe it was 13th or 14th happened and a national emergency was declared. And literally over the course of the next you know, five days, every single one of our clients either canceled or moved their event to the following year, which for us was just as good as a cancellation because for the most part, our, our clients do events with us year after year after year. So we had to sit back and think, okay, what are we going to do, right? Do we 
do we belly up and just say, you know what, let's close our doors, let's furlough our team, which is just a you know pleasant way of saying laying them off and uh, hunker down and, and hope that we can weather the storm, hope that this only lasts two weeks. Nobody at the time thought that it was really actually going to last more like two years. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we didn't want to furlough our team. We decided that we wanted to try and make go a virtual, but we had the exact same uh, hesitation that you do, right? Is it going to be flat? So we started approaching it from the perspective of the host first, the person on stage speaking. Because if that person doesn't show up, and show up in a big way, then for then the rest of the audience is going to feel flat, right? They the audience typically gets their energy and their enthusiasm for the event from the speaker, right? And then that energy is returned to the speaker and they keep moving, right? That's how you see people like Tony Robbins get on stage at you know 10 o'clock in the morning and go till two o'clock in the morning in the well, also in the morning, I guess, <laughs> just yeah, the next yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have guests you'd like Larry to interview or questions you'd like him to ask? You now have the opportunity to make us even better. Please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and join us today. Looking forward to having you be a part of this great adventure. Right. And, and that yeah. happens because the audience is feeding him, right? That, that mutual back and forth of energy. And we th- said, yeah. how can we replicate that? Um, is it even possible? And where we landed in about two and a half weeks was we landed on using Zoom, but not Zoom webinar, actually Zoom meeting, much like the one you and I are in right now, where the host could see the attendees, right? And not just see their chat, but actually see them in their own environment, at their desk, at their living room uh, couch, uh, at their dining room table, wherever they were in their home, because at this point it was all home-based, right? And we decided, what if we were to not have the speaker sitting down like most Zoom meetings or live streams are, but actually build a real stage for them? And we had this crazy idea. Um, it's an idea that I, I I refer to as my shower idea because I had it in the shower. <laughs> and um, I got out of the shower and I said to my wife, Barry, I have an idea. We've been trying to figure out how we can keep the energy of the hosts up. What if we put them on a stage? And what if in front of the stage, we put a bank of eight televisions and on each television, we put a Zoom meeting with 45 or 49 people on it. So basically somebody is standing in front of what amounts to about 390 attendees, Mm. people who he can see their, he or she can see their faces, can see their names, can interact when they raise their hand. He sees that when they laugh, he may not be able to hear it, but he'll be able to see them laugh. Right. And we treat it like a live in-person event start to finish. And first off, she said, can we do that? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) So (laughs) we, we kind of dug in deep with, um, you know, the skill set that I had, as well as some technology partners. I had a friend of mine uh, that we did most of our in-person AV work with for our live events, who had a, a warehouse in Charlotte. And I called him and I said, hey, Chris, 
you were having this because we, we'd been talking almost daily leading up to this because we were trying to figure out what we are both going to do with it with our businesses because they both disappeared overnight, right? Both businesses essentially yeah. ceased to exist. We could not operate the way we had been operating. And I said, you have um, a warehouse and a bunch of gear. I have a bunch of gear and an idea. What if we get together and see if we can put on an event in this way? Are you up for it? And he said, I'm up for it. If you could find a client who's willing to give it a try, let's do it. And fortunately, um, you know, this is one of those moments to loop back to your first question where we really had no idea if this was going to work, right? And we were hesitant. And the only way for us to know for sure was to try, right? There was no way you could sit yeah. back and analyze it. This Because we were trying to do something that had never been done before in this way. Not, not ever. Yeah. It, it was essentially a completely new format of live event. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have a client who had an event the weekend of April 3rd through the 5th. It was going to be in Indiana for 300 people. It got canceled, of course, like everything else did at that time. We transitioned it to virtual. He made it accessible to his list. And he went from having a national audience of 300 people to an international audience of 1,200. And that first event, we structured a little differently because we weren't sure if people were going to show up for the entire time. But even with how we structured it, even with what we didn't know at the time, which we've since learned from producing over 100 events for over 750,000 attendees in the last two and a half years, because this was all starting from scratch, this was the first of those events, um, we managed to not only have you know, a three times increase in his attendance. So he had a much greater reach, but he enrolled people into a program similar to what he did in person the year prior. And he had a 20% increase in his gross revenue from the event, which shocked all of us because- Over live. Yeah. Over live, right? But here's yeah. the thing that was really exciting, especially as business owners and as an entrepreneur, you'll understand and appreciate this his net went up by over 50%. So his gross went up by 20%, but because the cost of doing this event was so much less, there was no travel, there was no hotel fees, there was no food and beverage, all of the stuff that comes along with live in-person events, he was able to go from well, making good money from an event to literally having a 50% increase in the profit that that event generated in a two and a half mm -hmm. week period where he thought he wasn't going to have one. And, you know, we just kind of took that story and shared it with the next client who was going to have an event and then the next client who was going to have an event and gradually rebuilt our business from being an in person live event business to a virtual live event business. Um, mm. You know, fast forward mm. two and a half years to where we are now. And we just, you know, this year, um, 2022, a lot of people are saying in-person events are back. And of course they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we are still continuing to find that our virtual events are where our clients are continuing to have more reach, continuing to have more impact. Mm. And as a result of those things, having more revenue and having more income um, with virtual than they ever did with in-person. 
And our in our virtual events continue to grow year over year because much like our in-person events, our clients keep coming back to us. Um, and almost every single event that we've produced this year has either had more people at it virtually or more revenue produced than the same event from the year before. So, um, you know, we just mm. we just invested um, just shy of seven figures into a new studio uh, space here in Charleston, South Carolina. One that has two full virtual studios, similar to what I described to you. You stand on stage in front of, you know, a bank of attendees where you can now see, we've gone from eight to 12. So you can see almost 600 people. And Larry, you've, you've stood on stage, right? And you've presented before. Absolutely. So you'll you'll appreciate this when you're when you're on stage in person. You can usually see the faces of the first couple rows, but then once you go beyond that, it just becomes a sea of humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about standing on a virtual stage like this is when you look out, it's still a sea of humanity, but you can make eye contact with every single person in that room because they all have a front row seat. Right. And you mm-hmm. have front row visibility. I can see the names and, you know, faces of over 600 people at any given time in one of our events, which is like I've spoken on an in person stage this year and comparing it to virtual, I kind of miss it. Right. I, you know, I, I no longer have visibility into the audience quite as deep as I do with virtual. Anyway, I, I totally get the, concern. And I'm sorry, I kind of rambled on. You asked a simple question and um, you got a, you got a little bit of a soapbox of, of why I think virtual is so powerful um, and so not flat, uh, but truly one of the most impactful mediums and probably one of the most monumental changes to happen to live events, honestly, in the last thousand years, right? Because live wow. events yeah. pre-pandemic Outside of maybe I'm wearing a fancier hotel with a better projector, you know, in the last hundred years, haven't changed. Mm-hmm. They've been the same. You you go to a room, you sit in a, in a chair, you look up at a stage, somebody talks. They're amplified by speakers. You have projectors on the sli- on the sides. Um, you know, I guess maybe in the '80s you had slide carts where people had to move their slides back and forth. That transitioned to PowerPoint or Keynote at some point. We went from SD to HD. <laughs> But none of that is a real yeah. change. It's the same format. No. Yeah, when you think about it, unless you're in the first couple rows, it's not really live anyway. You're watching it through a technology that converts it to something other than that. You might as well watch it on television. You know, but you do have the ambiance of all of those people and the and the one thing that I how do you how did you make up for, you know, you made up for you get to have eye contact how did you were you able to make up for sound coming from the audience? Yeah, in that so, virtual experience. So that's a great question. One of the things that we still haven't a hundred percent, you know, figured out is how okay. to get the aggregate of sound. Right. So okay. when you hear yep. a thousand people clap your clap their hands, you're not going to get that in Zoom. But we have other ways to do it. Right. We have like an emoji wall experience where people can on their event dashboard click an emoji and that same that same emoji floats up a a digital screen that is behind the audience. Um, You know, you have ways to 
have them display uh, their emotions on how they're feeling through. Um, I'm trying to think of it. I've got one here. So um, this this envelope that if you're uh, you you're listening, so you can't hear it, but Larry, you can see it. This envelope yes. is something that we send to our attendees um, when they register for an event. And inside this envelope is a couple of things. One of them is this little heart icon, mm. right? So, gotcha. um, and yep. if all of a sudden you have a hundred people doing what I'm doing, which is waving this heart icon, that's printed. It's about four inches across um, at the lens. Okay. And you have a whole gotcha. bunch of people showing that all of a sudden, oh, that's interesting. I can see what's going on or a different one. I'm fired up and I'm ready to go. This is awesome. This is so much fun. Or, you know, that's a cool idea. I think I could make some money with that. And there's an icon of a, you know, a piggy bank with the words ka-ching gotcha. on it. So while you can't hear it, um, this is all about setup, right? And you have, um, yeah. you tell your audience how to treat you. And when you send okay. them something like this in the mail and I sit down with them before the event starts and I say, all right, guys, I can see you. This is so much fun. But one of the things that's true, I can't hear you. So how do we make up for that? Well, there's a couple ways that you can you can show us how you're feeling. And these emoji sticks that we sent you in the mail are definitely one of them. I want you to use them liberally this weekend because when you do this, I know that you're happy, right? If you have a question, raise your hand. Don't type it in the chat. I actually want to see you raise your hand because I'm going to unmute you and I'm going to talk to you, right? So little things like oh, that. Okay. Um, yeah. So from a from a sound perspective, while we haven't figured out the aggregate for large audiences, although I feel like that's coming, yeah. um, we we have alternative ways to feel their emotions and we have the ability to talk to every single one of them by simply unmuting them and letting them ask a question. You know, that's, that's so ingenious. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, you know, from a neurological perspective and how the brain operates, when you lose sight, you pick up and be really begin to amplify other senses. So you're really not lost for very long before you have even more of an acute sense of what's going on than you did before, because you began to develop all of these attitudes and beliefs about what those words meant, what the sounds meant. And so you just automatically respond. It's not really a discovery. But when you take that out, I would imagine the same thing begins to happen for the speaker, that after a while, they're oblivious to the fact that there isn't any sound because they are now much more acute to what these emojis mean, what this, these expressions, they're looking for that opportunity to unmute somebody. Um, because they look relative to benign and excited. So they're not necessarily opening up Pandora's box with that one. Um, and even if they are, they feel like they're ready for it. You know, I, I would, I'm kind of wondering, do you do, do you do events where the people pay just to get the information? And then do you do also do events where people kind of just show up to go through a process where then they can buy into the next step we do both. so yeah so i would call one a little bit more of a fulfillment style event in our okay. in our world that's what we call it where somebody pays let's say they pay for a boot camp or a workshop and they show up gotcha. and the promise of that workshop is delivered through amazing content 
And then okay. we have other events um, that we also do where you know you you purchase a promise, right? There's still there's typically almost always for most of our client there's a cost associated with coming to the event, but you know for what I would call more signature style events or intake events or enrollment events, um, that that fee is much lower. Right, so okay. maybe maybe a hundred bucks, maybe two hundred dollars, something along those lines. Whereas for a workshop style event, I would think, or what we tend to see with our clients who do that, is that price point is a thousand and up. So it's okay. different. Yeah, yep. And if you know, if you come to an event, in both cases, you're going to get the promise of the event, which is not to sell you something; it's to have you learn something. Um, but with one of those two styles, what then takes place is an invitation. And this is where that seven figure coaching practice comes in that you asked me about, you know, with that lower ticket item, you have them come, they spend three days with you. They learn some amazing content and now they have the opportunity to take the next step. Right. And the decision that they have to make that most of our clients ask their attendees to make is, do you want to do this alone? You have you have now learned a process. You have learned a thing, right? Um, in our case, we host an event called the Virtual Event on Virtual Events, which is, I admit, not exactly the most original name, <laughs> but it does say what it is, right? And you come- Well, redundancy is a key to education. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it, you come and you learn how to produce a virtual event. Well, at the end of that, our our attendees have two options. They can take what they've learned and go out in the world and learn how to do it or do it themselves. Or they can, uh, we have a coaching program called Leap. They can join us in Leap and go through the process of hosting their event with us at their side, you know, running or walking along with them, supporting them through the process. Do we teach them very much that's different than what they learned at the main event? Not really. Mm It's more about mm-hmm. accountability and support and community and a little bit of enhanced opportunity, right? There is, of course, we go deeper on certain topics because I can teach much more in a year than I can in three days. But for the most part, if you attend something, a webinar of ours or a challenge that's that's free on the front end, you're going to learn about virtual events. And then if you come to the virtual event on virtual events, you're going to learn more about virtual events. And then if you join us in our coaching program, you're going to learn even more. So for us, there's a direct through line. Like nobody comes to us to learn how to cook pasta and winds up learning how to, you know, I don't know, mix cocktails. That's while right. those yeah. things go together, we we focus, maybe a better example was you don't come to us to learn how to uh, make pasta and wind up learning how to change your oil on a car, right? Uh, you know, gotcha. there's there's a through line to what we teach. And regardless at what level you you work with us at, that's what you're learning how to do. Um, and that's true even when you go all the way up to our private clients, um, you know, people like Tony Robbins and, you know, Dean Graziosi and Mary Morrissey and a whole bunch of other names that you may or may not know. Some you do, some you don't. Um, but those mm-hmm. people who pay us, you know, six figures annually uh, to produce their events, they're actually getting the same content that somebody who works with us on a free webinar. It's just far more detailed and far more in depth, right? There's a very consistent through line in our case. We've chosen to focus our business top to bottom, regardless of where you join us on producing an amazing virtual event. Yeah. I know during the, during our, our, we, we were nailed March 
of 2020 as well, mm. where 95% of the income was gone in, in like a week. Yep. Uh, and and it, do, it does cause one to get creative, doesn't it, Blue? It does, you know. I, or I tuck to, in a fetal position. For sure. Well, you, there's those are the only two options, right? When when yeah. your business is yep. shut down, essentially, right? We had, and and especially when it's shut down and you have no control over it, because we didn't. And not, right. not because anybody's being malicious. It's just right. that, that was yep. life. You bet. And, you know, we really only had those two options. And, um, you know, sometimes something pretty magical comes out of that creative process. And I'll tell you, in the first 16 years of doing business, um, we generated about $700 million for our mm. clients through mm-hmm. live events. Beautiful. Beautiful. Not for us, for our clients. Although that'd be cool if it was for us. <laughs> yeah. um, in the last two and a half years, uh, we've generated over $650 million from virtual events. Fantastic. Also for our clients. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, you know, sometimes out of adversity, something really cool is born, something that's unique, something that didn't exist before. And a new way of delivering content that allows people to not have to get on a plane, to not have to stay in a hotel room, to not have to essentially spend, you know, two to three thousand dollars to show up for what is essentially a free event, right? Unless they live mm-hmm. in the same city. If somebody's coming to you for a three-day event and they're coming from across, like if your event is in LA and they're in New York, they're gonna spend a couple yeah. thousand dollars to get to you. You bet. Well, I'd rather they spend that couple thousand dollars with me in my coaching program. Um, yeah. And I'd rather, you know, them not, you know, have to leave their environment that they're used to. I want them to be able to, when the event is over, shut down and, you know, kiss their kids goodnight and, you know, say goodnight to their spouse or maybe have dinner with the family, um, you know, and you and bet. share this amazing experience that they had that day. So yeah. Yeah. it's... It's different. It's definitely a different way of looking at things, uh, but one that, and I don't think virtual or in-person events are gone, by the way. Um, they do still yeah. have a very important place in this world, but for most of us, it's just so much easier to produce a yeah. virtual event from the comfort of your home, you know, without ever having to have your attendees get on a plane, like I said, sleep at a hotel without you ever having to sign a big hotel contract or AV contract, something that, you know, I've seen people try to host have events. flight canceled or... Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's, the, yeah. that's the easiest of things. I've, I've yeah. seen, I've seen hotels cancel events on people at the last minute. I've seen all sorts of crazy things happen. Yeah. And, you know, depending on how big that event is, that can be a non-recoverable situation. You bet. But you so, know... One thing with your entrepreneurial spirit, and I, I kind of see us as kindred spirits in a lot of respects, is, is most people, when they see something destroyed in front of them like that on March of 2020, they go, that's done. Now I'm done. And what you did is, is that's done. Now what? Because I'm not done. And I think that's the power of vision. That's the power of something greater than and something more is in store. And what am I to learn from this? And all of the other, you know, bumper stickers, slogans that I, you know, could share (laughs) with you. But the bottom line is, do you, 
you know, I we watched probably what you produced and ended up paying a bunch of money to uh, Dean and Tony um, on their getting us to want to, you know, move forward and create. And um, yeah, you're talking about the, either the Project one thing, Next or KBB, either one of those two things. That, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. And kudos to you. They, they did a wonderful job. <laughs> Um, that's a question I have, and I would imagine anyone out there kind of listening to this is we may have, I've got great content. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's comparable and I've been at it long enough to, it's pretty much bulletproof and life-changing. And yet to be able to entice and to get people to the point where they recognize the power as opposed to just shelling out dollars and hoping they see the power which I think is the real difference sometimes, unless you have the celebrity just to draw people in. Two questions. Do you, do you help first off on getting people to the event, to the virtual event, not, not going live? And are you able, or is this not a part of your scope, uh, help people break it down so they're not giving the whole thing away they're given enough away for people who want more. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So two two answers. Number one, okay. um, you know, we cover in in both of our both our live event as well as our coaching program. We cover both topics, and I'll tell you, okay. we probably spend a lot more time on what we call program at a glance, which is content flow um, and messaging, than we do on anything else, because content flow is probably the most important thing when producing a an event. I'll just say a live event. I'm not going to say in-person or virtual because the reality is this is true for both, right? And this is the okay. cool part. Yeah. Actually, we haven't even talked about this, but you know, part of the reason we were so successful with our virtual events is because 80% of what we do with virtual comes from... 16 years of doing in-person events. It's the same thing. Hmm. The only okay. difference really is the technology and the touch points that you have with your audience. Outside of that, the content flow, how you market the event, how you structure the event, how you actually make an invitation to have people come join you, all of that stuff is the same. So the really cool part, I think, is when you learn how to do this process from us, you can take it and and go in person, or you can go virtual. I think virtual is the easier way to go. It's definitely the more profitable way to go, but we have clients who learn what we do and then take it and go in person as well. Gotcha. And we have something called um, a uh, the structure that we use um, for a live event, generally a three-day event, is something that we call the three-by-three PAG. Uh, PAG stands for program at a glance. And um, there are essentially three things that you do each of the three days. And if if I have a couple moments, I'm happy to share it with sure. you just so at a high level. Cool. So essentially in a three-day event, um, day one is all about content, connection, and community. That's the, the first mm. three. Those are the three items that you have to accomplish through your virtual event at the end of day one. You're, you want your attendees to leave day one thinking to themselves, that was so great. And 
I still have two days left. Like I got my money's worth already. So mm. deliver great mm. content and introduce them to like-minded individuals. That's where the community comes in and have a great connection with them through Q&A and through other ways that you interact with them during your event. Now, day two... And this is the structure for an enrollment event, right? The an event that delivers amazing content, gives them everything that they prom that was they were promised and that they purchased, but then invites them to join the next step, right? So what happens on day two is it's all about um, problem solution and invitation. And let me explain. Uh, First off, you continue to deliver great content. That doesn't stop. Just because I'm not talking about content on day two, you you continue to deliver great content and you continue to have connection and community. But halfway through the day on day two, something interesting happens. Your attendees realize that they're closer to going home than they are to being in this experience with you because live events create something that... Uh, Steve Jobs of Apple knew about really, really, really in-depthly, right? Really, really in uh, intimately. Um, this reality distortion field, this hmm. moment over the course of three, moment in time where something is possible, right? You create this, this vision of what is possible for your attendees by teaching them about this amazing content. And they're excited about what's possible. But they now realize halfway through the event, I'm halfway towards going home back to the life and the environment and the business that I created that got me here. And I want to go somewhere else. That's why they came to you in the first place. And that's that's the the problem, right? That's the problem that pops up for them on day two. And the solution comes in the form of your invitation to your coaching program, to your mastermind, to your done-for-you services. It comes at a point where the attendees are actually wanting more. They're wanting that next step. And then day three is all about decision, commitment, and celebration. And what you want day three to... Again, we're continuing content connection and community um, on day three. But Day three really is about decision, commitment, and celebration. And the decision that you want, when I say that, most people think that I mean that you want them to decide as to whether or not they're going to do this, this work with you in your coaching program. And that's not actually what I mean. When I say decision, what I mean is I want my attendees to decide whether or not they're going to take what they learned this week and move forward with it and have it change their life or, or business or are these three days just going to be three days wasted, right? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to the life and environment that I had, and I'm just going to keep on keeping on, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but that's the decision mm. you want them to make. And gotcha. then you want them to commit to that decision by having a process that allows them to actually take this information forward. And then of course, celebrate them. And you celebrate them whether they're joining you in your coaching program or not. Because either way, and the reality is, um, you know, this is something my wife says all the time, today's non-buyer is tomorrow's buyer. So just because they didn't purchase your coaching program today doesn't mean they won't tomorrow. And I think that's a really mm -hmm. important thing that most people forget. So that's the structure at its at its core. Um, mm -hmm. And it's something that we we dive deep on at our event. Uh, and then, of course, go even deeper on uh, inside of our coaching programs. Do you participate in the event or you just make sure the technology is sound? Because 
I read, you know, in your info that that's what your background lies in, but it seems like you've picked up a lot of other talents you've developed along the way. Well, my my wife and I uh, run this business together, and Barry okay. tends to be to, Barry tends to be the face of of our business, gotcha. um, and the face of our event. Um, but uh, the reality is, both of us have been doing this for you know almost twenty years, and it's hard not to yeah. pick up a few tricks along the way. Um, so yes, yeah. if 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 you do come to one of our events, you'll probably see me for about half the time, um, and you'll see a it. much prettier version um, the other half the time uh, in my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I want to re- thank you for all the information you've shared. And um, I know I've got a lot more question, but n- not a lot more time. Um, how do how do people go about getting in touch with you um, or information from you to uh, be able to move forward with what you've shared today? Well, I think that the best way to do it is always always to come to one of our events. Um, we host the virtual event on virtual events a couple times a year. Um, it is, there's probably one coming up in the next couple of months. And if you go to, uh, T V E dot live and, um, you'll see when the next event is and be able to register for it. Uh, T V E of course, standing for the virtual event. Um, so that, that would be the best way. Um, and we would love to have you, um, if you're not sure yet, like, Hey, these people, this guy sounds still a little bit crazy. I'm not hundred percent sure that makes any sense for me. Then, you know, find us on Facebook, um, you know, facebook.com forward slash powered by Sage, um, is, is where you'll find us there. And, um, you know, we're constantly releasing, uh, new information on YouTube as well as, um, Instagram and, um, you know, all of the, all of the, all of the social things, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, um, you know, in closing, I'd like to give you the opportunity with, with all the entrepreneurs out there and individuals um, who find themselves stuck at getting really excited about something and then finding out, you know, it was either over their head or they didn't have the discipline to commit. Um, and they're kind of, wondering, you know, how do I get out of this quagmire? How do I get back in um, in productivity and prosperity mode? Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give to, to them now as we're sitting here and with all the experience that you've built up over the years? So I, I'm going to say something that maybe, you know, half your audience is going to appreciate and the other half may not appreciate. Um, and what I would say to you is generally speaking, I don't think ideas tend to come from us, right? I think there's whether, whether you call it God, whether you call it the universe, whether you call it, uh, spiritual powers, whatever it is, I think generally speaking, we are constantly given these amazing ideas and you are given them on a regular basis. And I don't think any of us are given an idea that we can't actually fulfill on. It just comes down to our willingness to become uncomfortable, right? Because no good idea, no thing that is going to create a significant difference in our life and in the life of the people around us doesn't come with a little bit of discomfort, 
But Mm -hmm. being able to live in that discomfort, lean into it and take a risk and do something different, something that the person next to you isn't willing to do. And that person just wants to keep on keeping on with his nine to five. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you were given an idea, if you had something come to you in a way that is perhaps bigger than you, you are doing yourself and the world a disservice to not take action on that idea. I believe that to my core. It's something that I've believed, you know, throughout my life, I've been, I've been, um, you know, a believer. Uh, I've had faith. I've had not, I've not had faith. Um, But in the end, I think this has always been true, uh, regardless of where you believe these ideas come from. So that's, uh, that's something that I, I would, I would say as a closing remark, hopefully that's not crazy for you. (laughs) What a beautiful way. Yeah. Beautiful way to wrap it up. Um, No growth without discontent, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to thank you for, for the opportunity to, um, to have you on and to, uh, you know, and particularly because of where I am in my business and how, how much what you're doing could be really a phenomenal leg up and just get it getting, once you get up on the horse, you know, I mean, I think the rest kind of takes care of itself and uh, you've been very helpful in that and given us tremendous information. So thank you from myself and my listeners. And also I want to tell all of you out there with all the thousands and hundreds of thousands of choices you had and you're picking this one is we're both so grateful for that. And I want to remind you once again that wherever you happen to find yourself and whatever circumstances you find yourself in, as you've heard from Blue and you hear from me, you're exactly where you need to be. And the way to make the best of that, needless to say, is to make a choice. And as you're hearing the choices to do nothing, and if you choose that, then stop complaining. And the other choice is to take some action and you will find the way all by itself automatically just like he had an idea and the how came don't try to do it the other way around get the vision and live it thank you again for your time thank you again blue i haven't met barry but thanks you barry she sounds like an amazing human being and all the best to all of you take care thank you for listening If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Please join Larry with his next guest, Jeffrey Deckman. Jeffrey is a nationally recognized thought leader and award-winning author on the next evolution of leadership, conscious leadership. You'll hear the secrets to unleashing the hidden talents of your people by growing and becoming aware of what it means to become a conscious leader.